Habits are so powerful. Science tells us that about 45% of all our behavior is connected to habits. Our brains want to move any pattern it can find into a habit. This can create good habits and bad habits. If you compare your habits from January 2020 with now, most likely they are quite different. From when you go to bed, for most of us much later now, which leads to when you wake up, uh, again for most of us much later now, uh, how we get ready for school and for the day. Uh, when you sort of change out of your clothes in the morning or maybe just change out of last night's pajamas and into tonight's pajamas. Our habits have changed and this includes spiritual habits. Gathering online only for almost 10 months has forced some of us out of some really good habits. And if we're honest, perhaps they've been replaced by some not so good habits. So in this series, we want to take a look at some new or maybe slightly adjusted habits to replace the habits. The circumstances have just pushed many of us to adopt willingly or unwillingly. Because as we're going to see, there are some habits that have a disproportionate impact on us personally and spiritually. Maybe you've heard of the idea of keystone habits, a habit sort of that triggers a series of related or sometimes unrelated behaviors and sometimes even other habits. Charles Duhigg wrote a book called The Power of Habit, where he looked at some of these keystone habits for individuals, but also for companies and organizations. Uh, two keystone habits that might be kind of interesting to you. Number one, eating dinner at home as a family is a keystone habit for better family relationships. Now, that's because eating that meal together leads to more conversations, which lead to better relationships, kids doing better in school, uh, everyone having less stress and deeper relationships. Number two, food journaling is another keystone habit for being healthier and losing weight. Because recording what you eat reminds you and holds you accountable to eat better, which leads to feeling better, which leads to more exercise. And if you exercise more, you study and work better, you parent better, you sleep better, and on and on. So what if there were some habits that could lead you to have stronger and bigger confidence in God? That when things are great, you have confidence in God, and when things are bad, you also have confidence in God. What if you could develop that kind of confidence in God through your habits? How would that impact your life? Maybe the confidence or security that you would have, the insecurities that would sort of go away, your ability to face temptations, your ability to face loneliness and stressful situations like we're going through right now, your ability to love difficult people. Uh, maybe for students, it's figuring out your life or figuring out your future. Adults, it's figuring out what to do with your life. Uh, maybe uh, older adults facing the uncertainty of life, health, and death. What if you had confidence that God knew your name, heard your prayers, and was with you? How would your life be different? If you've read the Old Testament, it kind of becomes pretty clear that since the beginning, God has been trying to establish or reestablish a relationship of confidence and trust. Humans' problems began not just with disobedience of not trusting God anymore, but really with not trusting God. That God wants to grow your faith and confidence and trust in Him. And there are five ways that humans have observed, observed that God grows our faith and confidence in Him. Because while there is some mystery to God, the ways that humans for generations have grown with confidence in God are really not a mystery. These five things have grown people's faith for a really long time. Now, each of these things has really two parts, a passive part and an active part. The passive part, we really have no control over, right? That's sort of God's responsibility. But the active part is usually in the habits that we create. And these habits put us in a position or give us an opportunity for God to grow our faith or really for God to intersect our lives. And the good thing for each of us is that no matter where you may be on the God spectrum, whether you're just sort of just beginning with one foot in and one foot out, or maybe you've been a Jesus follower for decades, these are things that God will use to continue to grow your faith. And as we're seeing, they may look different in different stages or seasons of life, particularly during a pandemic. Now, this is not an all-inclusive list, but here are five of the catalysts that God uses to grow our faith. And as we'll see, there's an active and a passive part. Number one, teaching, practical teaching. 
Obeying God leads to experiencing God's faithfulness. Now, the active part is watching, reading, uh, and learning from teaching about how to obey God, with the passive part being that God uses that obedience to experience his faithfulness. Number two, providential relationships. Engaging a community that intersects God's timing. The active part is putting yourself in situations to meet people that God may use in your life or you in their life. The passive part is how God works behind the scenes to sort of uh, bring them to you and you to them at the right time. Number three, private disciplines, leveraging resources that intersect God's presence. And the active part is sort of regularly exercising and training our faith muscles, while the passive part is experiencing God in small and sometimes big ways. Number four, personal ministry, that action that intersects God's ability. The active part is literally taking action to serve and love others. And the passive part is God's sort of doing what only God can do in people's lives. Number five, pivotal circumstances. Allowing God to intersect our circumstances. And the active part is really one of the most passive parts of it. It's the action of giving God permission, looking out for how he wants to use us, with the passive part being how he sort of allows circumstances into our lives that we don't necessarily choose, that sort of he uses to grow our faith and confidence in him or others' confidence in him. Now, there's a habit attached to each of these catalysts that seems to show up in almost everyone's story about how God grew their faith. When you hear someone talk about their faith growing, or one or more of these probably shows up, in their lives. However, the problem with this list is that most of these things are out of our control. For instance, by definition, you can't make providential relationships happen because God makes those things happen. But we can put ourselves in situations and opportunities to meet people that God may use in our lives or may use us in their lives. The habits that we're going to discuss in this series are sort of putting ourselves in the situations and the opportunities. And when we take this active role in these faith habits, our lives can intersect God's activity in the world. Which of these catalysts have made the biggest difference in your confidence in God? Or which one do you think would make the biggest difference for you? While we want big things and big results in our lives, we forget how big things usually start. That the first step or the first domino to fall is what starts the chain reaction. Without the start, there really are no results. And if we work backwards from the video, um, from the, the really last huge domino of experiencing God and having confidence in Him, then the dominoes before that are obeying him, doing what he says. And if we're going to obey God and do what he says, before that, we have to know what he says. Because when our obedience intersects God's faithfulness, our faith can grow. So, so how do we obey God? How do we know what he says? We need to be taught and learn to apply what he says. That it's not good enough just to know more. Though knowledge is good, we need to do what we have been taught. And this is a significant distinction that Jesus would emphasize frequently because there were constantly people around him who had lots of knowledge, but they weren't doing what they knew. So when Jesus was teaching on earth, he never just taught just to share content. He, he taught differently, that Jesus was really a master teacher who, who wanted his audience to go and do what he taught. So we're going to read the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of Jesus' most famous sermons, which was really already mostly about what to do. There, there were some believe parts, but but most of it was really about what to do. And Jesus understood that what makes the difference in our lives is not usually knowledge by itself. What makes a difference in our lives is what we do. So Jesus' sermon wasn't really about eternity, but how really to live on this earth with people. And this sermon was really, if you had perfect confidence, trust in God, then here's what you would do. Here's how you would act. And this is what it would look like if you have faith and confidence that there is a God who knows your name and will take care of you that really all of this was application. He would say things like, if someone asks you to go one mile, go with him too. If someone like your enemy wrongs you, just go ahead and forgive them. And by the way, lust is a sin. Like you heard adultery is a sin, 
But not just adultery. What you do with your mind is just as important. And when it comes to giving, give as much as you can. These are the things Jesus would say. That this wasn't just sort of doing good so that you could get on God's good side. This was if you want to live your, your life um, with faith in God, here's what you do. And so at the end of the sermon, here's what Jesus said. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. If you want to follow along the Bible app, go to the More menu option, select events, and you can find our church. We'll also have the notes and verses on the screen as well. Verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That this verse starts with an important point that we'll come back to. If you want faith in God to show up in practical ways, if, if you want to see God show up in your world, then you have to sort of do these things, Jesus would say. That You can't just say, well, I went to hear Jesus speak this week, or well, actually, I went to hear Jesus speak all five times this week. Uh, and Jesus would sort of say, no, no, even if you came to hear all my speeches and even memorize them, but you don't do any of them, they won't make a difference in your life or in your confidence with God. And here's why this is important, that obeying God leads us to experience God's faithfulness. You might say, well, why? Well, obeying God is an act of faith. That I'm going to, uh, basically saying, I'm going to apply the scriptures because you said to do it. That belief and faith are great, but they're really only helpful if they lead to action. Uh, for example, it's one thing to believe in nutrition. It's a whole nother thing to actually eat healthy. That believing in nutrition, well, what difference is it going to make until you actually take action? Uh, believing, reading about, joining a gym, uh, walking into a gym, scheduling a trainer, filling your hard drive with videos and books and all kinds of things about exercise. Yeah, people might look at your resources and think you're an expert, but if you haven't done anything, it won't do you one bit of good because you haven't applied or practiced any of it. And so Jesus would say, if you want faith in God to impact your life, you have to do what he says. And so Jesus continues on verse 25. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. That Jesus would say the reason that the house did not fall was not because they, they knew the storm was coming. It was not because they, they knew about construction and how to build a house. The house did not fall because they actually built their house on the rock. They did the right thing. Verse 26, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Verse 27, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now this is someone who sort of hears and watches but doesn't do. That you can have 100% of church attendance and be a fool. You can have 100% attendance and not look or love like Jesus. You can have 100% attendance and end up killing the Savior of the world because Judas was probably there each time Jesus taught, right? You can have 100% attendance and build a life that ends in disaster. And you can have 100% attendance and build a house on sand and sort of become a disaster. That knowledge doesn't make the difference. Acquiring knowledge doesn't make the difference. Obedience makes the difference. Can you think of a difficult time you have faced that could have been avoided if you applied the teachings of Jesus? Matthew chapter 7 verse 28 says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, and not as their teachers of the law. The crowds really weren't amazed because Jesus told them something they hadn't heard before. He taught them a new principle. That part of authority that is kind of mentioned here is really clarity. And Jesus brought clarity to the scriptures in a way that the crowd around him knew what they were supposed to do. And when you do what someone asks you to do, that is an expression of confidence in that person. So as you think about obedience sort of being a catalyst or one of the catalysts to growing your faith, what are the active parts of obeying God that could lead to you experiencing God's faithfulness? 
Like, are you regularly watching, listening to, and engaging with the teachings of Jesus so that you can actually obey them or even know what they are to start with? That this is the keystone habit that I really want to focus on today because as we know, the pandemic has impacted all of our regular habits. So I want to suggest one new or maybe slightly adjusted habit to replace ones that circumstances may have changed for many of us. And that habit is establish a new church online routine. And I say online because we are online right now. But most of us used to have a church routine, but for most of us, it's been disrupted, really to say the least. So to establish or to sort of shift into a new church routine for you and your family would be huge. And Sunday morning is obviously ideal, but I understand that that's not, that's not possible for everyone. The church online is available on demand and on our website and YouTube later on Sunday and throughout the week. However, keeping a church routine is really one of the most important parts of this aspect of sort of watching, listening to, and engaging with the teachings of Jesus. Uh, if you have kids at home, you can really actually get up early, you can get up late, you can get some coffee, and you can watch church online, the, the online family content that we have for preschool and elementary, and also preteen, middle school, and high school students. Or you can do what my family does. We actually watch this with our kids after lunch on Sunday. Either way, we would encourage you to pick a time, pick a, pick a specific time, announce it ahead of time, and sit down together to watch. And when possible, try to engage your kids and yourself and your students with one of the discussion questions. That we think that God really wants to help you with life, but if you don't create the habit of watching, listening to, and engaging with the teachings of Jesus, you're really missing a huge opportunity. If you don't know, I went to a Christian college and um, we had chapel almost every morning of the week. And there were actually a few weeks out of the year where we had chapel in the morning and in the evening. Now, I couldn't attend every one because I actually worked along with many of my other classmates. However, I tried to look at each of those chapel services as an opportunity for God to teach me how to follow him. Now, granted, there were definitely many services where the communicator was not really engaging or he, he didn't do a good job of making the scriptures applicable. But there are also several times that, that guys from my floor would sort of choose not to go and to, to these chapel services. They were probably prioritizing TV or video games or sleeping, whatever. And, and I would really get to know these guys on my floor and, and what they were struggling with. So when I would come back from one of these chapel services that really addressed the very thing that these guys were struggling with, I couldn't help but think they missed an opportunity to hear how Jesus could help them. And no doubt there were probably times that I missed that opportunity as well. Because watching, listening to, and engaging with church online or any sort of church service obviously isn't everything. But it is one of the first dominoes to fall if you want to experience God in your life. Because in Jesus' sermon, it is understood that the audience was watching, right? They were there listening and engaging with Jesus' teaching. And they could really only obey Jesus because first they watched, listened to, and engaged with it. So as we sort of wrap up our time together, um, two questions that I would have for you. Um, the first is for those of you who maybe want to have a growing faith or want to sort of just explore faith. Would you be willing to start or continue the habit of watching, listening to, and engaging with the teachings of Jesus, particularly as we're in church online right now? And then for those of you who are sort of feeling stuck in your spiritual journey, not sure exactly what to do or why things aren't happening, are you applying and doing what Jesus teaches? Lane Jones, a pastor from Georgia, says this. He says, unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. It doesn't do anybody any good. The value of paint is in the application. And for Church Online, we're going to do our part to, to bring you the can of paint, to open it, sort of stir it up, and sort of hand you the can and the brush. But you have to start painting. You have to start painting on Zoom for your work. You have to start applying it with your family, your roommates, and your friends. You have to apply it in the interactions you have online. Because if you don't apply it, it won't do you any good. It won't grow your confidence in God. That church sermons like this really come in all shapes and sizes. 
But if you listen closely, you'll hear God saying almost the same thing every sermon. Trust me. Now, that's not to say sermons are shallow or sort of simplistic or repetitive. Rather, in all the ways that you could respond to God, confidence in him is the most important and life-changing response we can have. And when our obedience intersects God's faithfulness, our faith can grow. And to obey God, we start with the habit of watching, listening to, and engaging with the teachings of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to read this passage and to sort of pause as we start the new year to think about the habits that we need to have. And maybe for some of us, we haven't really paused to reflect on the habits that have changed since the pandemic started. And maybe for some of us, that is something we should really do. Because maybe some habits have really changed that have become unhealthy or uh, counterproductive to what we're trying to do. And God, we know that um, the habits that we have as far as how we interact with you can also be significant. They can really have a disproportionate impact in our lives. And so God, this particular habit of uh, being in a place where we can listen to your teaching, where we can watch your teaching, where we can try to understand and engage with the teachings that you had. God, would you help us to prioritize that in our lives? Not just so that I have an audience, uh, not just so that our church gets bigger, but because that will help us to grow. It'll help me to grow when I prioritize church. It'll help all of us to grow when we prioritize watching and listening to and engaging with and actually doing the teachings that you taught. That will make a difference in our lives. But we can't really do that until we actually hear it or listen to it or watch it or understand what it is to start with. So God, would you help us to take both these steps? Would you help us to take the step of prioritizing or maybe reprioritizing in our lives, recommitting that church online and and um, engaging with your, your teachings through other means as well is important. But God, would you also help those of us who maybe already do that, would you help us to prioritize doing them, to actually applying and doing what the scriptures say? Because that is what made the difference for the builder, actually doing what was the right thing to do, not just knowing it, but actually doing it. So God, would you help us? Would you help us this new year to apply this and do what you've asked us to do? that in obeying you, you would intersect our lives with your faithfulness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.